Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Blankly hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. And I can't tell you anything that has made me more irate than learning something about Carly Fiorini, who is the a GOP presidential candidate. And by the way, she's not really a realistic presidential candidate. All of these 17 people who are out there, they're all being vetted to see what kind of response they get from the public, the media, from donors, to to consider if they would be good for a cabinet position or a VP position. None of these, maybe only a handful, less than three of them, could actually be really serious presidential nominee contenders. And Carly Fioroni is not one of them. But what I want to tell you that... that makes me so angry and I want people to understand and hear this I really want you to hear this I am going to read to you a speech that she gave less than two weeks after 9-11 on September 26 2001 this is a speech she gave and the title of her speech is called technology business and our way of life what's next she gave this in minneapolis minnesota she's talking about leadership going forward in the wake of 9-11 she's referring to the power of diversity okay wait till you wait till you hear this all right wait till you hear i am going to read you her speech i will highlight some of the points uh, I will have the link to the full speech on my website, a link on BethanyBlankley.com and on RenegadeRadio.com. She's talking about the diversity that she says, quote, who waited hours to give blood, the diversity who helped, the diversity reflected in the cultures and religions that took part in the memorial service at Yankee Stadium, which was bogus, by the way, diversity in those who have donated their time to courageously look for survivors, which there weren't any because they were all incinerated and blown up the diversity of outpouring from virtually every nation on this planet wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute was she not watching the taliban and the muslims cheering and shouting death to america that was recorded and posted on youtube and many of the muslim countries i'm not quite sure what she's talking about especially for muslim countries they were very happy about it then she says i bring all of this up not to be dramatic but to say if this is the strength we can draw in time of collective crisis what is the power we could harness in an effort of collective aspiration and hope And then she talks about leadership and courage, and she doesn't really give any specific examples. And then she ends as she says, as business leaders, we are faced with questions of life and death. Ironic, she should bring up life and death, and I'll get to that in a minute. Faced with questions of life and death, rather than how much our stock is worth, the significance of our business contribution to the world may be increased, and that is a good thing. And I'll end by telling a story. And this is the kicker, folks. She's talking about business, life and death, And the stock of our worth. So she talks about one of the greatest civilizations. I'm going to quote now. 
There was once a civilization that was the greatest in the world. It was able to create a continental superstate that stretched from ocean to ocean, from northern climes to tropics and deserts. Within its dominion lived hundreds of millions of people of different creeds and ethnic origin. One of its languages became the universal language of much of the world, the bridge between the peoples of a hundred lands, its armies made up of people of many nationalities, and its military protection allowed a degree of peace and prosperity that had never been known. The reach of its civilization's commerce extended from Latin America to China and everywhere in between. Then she goes into the, the characteristics of this civilization listing how uh, they were driven by, quote, invention, its architects designed buildings that defied gravity, its mathematicians created algebra and algorithms that would enable the building of computers and the creation of encryption, its doctors examined the human body, its writers created thousand stories. Uh, when other nations, here, get this, when other nations were afraid of ideas... This civilization thrived on them and kept them alive. When censors threatened to wipe out knowledge from past civilizations, this civilization kept the knowledge alive and passed it on to others. While modern Western civilization shares many of these traits, the civilization I'm talking about was the Islamic world from the year 800 to 1600, which includes the Ottoman Empire and the courts of Baghdad, Damascus and Cairo, and enlightened rulers like Suleiman the Magnificent. And then she goes on, and I'm going to stop there because not only is she speaking complete falsehood, and I'm going to go through that, I don't know what planet she's on. Is she smoking crack? Is she smoking opium? Is she flying a little magic carpet with Aladdin? Uh, this is not what I learned in history, and it's certainly not what anybody else can learn in history if you actually read about the Ottoman Empire or the Byzantine Empire or the Persian Empire or the British Empire. There is history and context to everything. And out of all of the history and context in the world, she points to the civilization of the Islamic world as being one of the greatest civilizations on the planet? Are you kidding me? And then she specifically points to a time period of 800 to 1600. Now, why is that significant? Because Islam only existed on three continents. And by the way, it wasn't hundreds of millions of people. It was maybe around 30 million under Suleiman's reign, which is a lot different than 100 million. And it wasn't different creeds or ethnic groups. <clears throat> what people need to understand is that after Muhammad died, within less than 50 years, his followers started raiding other lands. Islam never, ever would have existed anywhere else had they not left Saudi Arabia, what is now Saudi Arabia, and started invading and attacking all of Northern Africa, all of the Middle East, all of... Turkey and Greece, they even reached the gates of Vienna and Austria. They reached a certain point in France and they were held back. They, they fought the Mongols. They fought, they went into and conquered what is now parts of Russia and some of now of former Russian states. What people need to understand is that period of when 
of 800 years was of brutal totalitarian military reign where Islamic militants were going out and fighting people. In fact, the Crusades were a response to that. The Pope called on Christians from other Western lands to come and liberate Rome because Rome was sacked by the Islamists. Jerusalem was sacked more than once by the Islamists. Spain was completely taken over by the Muslims, which is where the Moors came in, and it took 400 years for the Spaniards to actually get Spain back from the Muslims. What on earth is she talking about? Carly, you are insane. I don't know what on earth you are talking about. I honestly, I loved Aladdin. Don't get me wrong. I love the story of Aladdin. I loved the genie coming out of the bottle and getting three wishes. I loved the princess. I loved that story. It was one of my favorite cartoon movies growing up. It was one of my favorite books that I read. And by the way, Aladdin was really based in China. But anyway, so the point is, is that when you look at the period of 1800 to to 1600 there is nothing but muslims invading sacking and pillaging and stealing other peaceable nations they they went into africa in fact africa comes from an arabic word sicily poor sicily sicily was invaded over and over and over again for over a thousand years I mean, it's really unbelievable. The military expeditions were designed to enforce a caliphate, and that is exactly what ISIS is doing today. ISIS wants to reestablish the former Ottoman Empire. What is essential to Muslims is not to lose land they believe has been taken from them that they initially had conquered around around the 630s. After Muhammad died... The Muslim military expeditions began. They conquered Syria, Iraq, Egypt, the Mesopotamian region, Persia, Damascus. I cannot believe she even brings these specific cities up when they are perfect examples of the conquest of Islamists coming in and killing and completely destroying entire civilizations. The Islamists came in and sacked Jerusalem in 637. There were no Muslims in Jerusalem prior to 637. When I was in Jerusalem in January... I heard nothing but a prayer call coming from minarets 24-7. In the day of Jesus Christ, there that would not have existed. It was Jews and people who became Christians who were living in that land peacefully, even though they were under the Roman Empire. There were no Muslims. The Muslims who are claiming that Jerusalem is their land, it's not their land. They invaded it in 633. The Dome of the Rock they built on top of the Jewish temple that pre-existed it. The Islamists came in. They came into what's present-day Armenia and Georgia in 641. Alexandria, Egypt, 642. Cyprus, 644. Sicily, 652. I can go on and on and on. Charlemagne had to fight them. And finally, they held the Muslims off in tours in the year of 732. But they kept trying again. Suleiman, the Magnificent, You've got to be kidding me. And I know a lot of people say, well, he was a great leader. Everyone points to his legal authority and the rule of law. But I want people to understand, you don't have rule of law on three continents 
under Islamic totalitarian caliphate Sharia law. That isn't, there's no such thing. There's no such thing in a Western concept of rule of law It's com- and a complete antithesis to Sharia law. And the fact that she would bring this up after 9-11 is what is infuriating to me. She says this on September 26th after 9-11 happened. Are you kidding me? So now she has to talk about how great the Islamic civilization is. I've got to take a break. I'm going to talk more about Carly and the dope she's smoking and the carpet she's riding The carpet that goes nowhere except to the land of insanity. Uh, You're listening to Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio. I'll be back. I'm going to talk more about Islam and this great range she's referring to from these certain time periods. And all of the lands that the Islamists conquered, which they did, by the way, with black flags, just like what ISIS is carrying for the same purpose of creating a caliphate, which is exactly what ISIS is doing today. If you want a good picture of the Ottoman Empire and what the Crusaders had to fight, and don't get me wrong, I'm not justifying any of the bad stuff the Crusaders did, but the people who are defending their home and their lives against the Muslim invaders, if you want a picture of what that was like in the medieval time period, you don't need to look any further than what ISIS is doing to everyone throughout the Levant right now. I've got to take a break. You're listening to Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Everybody, and we're back. It's Bethany Blankley hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. Uh, to learn more, listen to more, read more, go to my website at bethanyblankley.com or renegadetalkradio.com. And I want to continue talking about Islam and the insanity of the magic carpet ride that Carly is on. I don't know if a genie wrote her speech when she was talking about diversity and the greatest civilization on earth, but I want to tell you more about this great civilization because the military expeditions that began to enforce the caliphate started in 633. Now, caliphate is just a word. What it means is it just means a rule by prophets. And so the prophets establish and interpret and enforce Sharia law. And Sharia is submission to what their recitings are that are recorded in Quran, in the Quran, which are messages and instructions from Muhammad, who he says were given to him by Allah through an angel. And there were no witnesses to this. He just came up with this idea. And over a period of time, talked to people and they scribbled it down on parchments of paper or on the bones of camels. And they compiled all of this information and put it into a Quran, which was published or written down later um, by other people because Muhammad was illiterate so he didn't actually write the Quran but I want to get back to that specific time period that Carly mentions between the year 800 and 1600 because she's talking about a reign of conquest 
and military expeditions where the Muslims just did nothing but invade, 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 invade. And it began and it created and caused what became the Crusades. And Barack Obama is blaming ISIS on the Crusades, which, by the way, happened at least a thousand years ago, more than a thousand years ago, and I'm going to get through this. Anyway, I want to explain something also about these raids. When Suleiman comes in, he comes in and he raids Constantinople. The siege on Constantinople took several years. The first time Constantinople was sacked was in 668. And then it took seven, there was a seven year siege that began in 672 again. And then another major siege under Suleiman in 717. And while all of this is going on, they are also invading Egypt and Spain and uh, all of the areas of the former Roman Empire, Afghanistan. And in 715, all of Spain becomes Muslim and it takes 460 years to recapture Spain from the Muslim invaders. And by the way, Spain is dealing with this right now. They have a huge influx of Muslims in Spain. And remember the Madrid train bombing? Those were Muslim uh, carrying out jihad. Now, what ended up happening during that time period that she's she's articulating, I mean, Carly's specifically bringing up this time period between 800 and 1600, and I want to tell you what happened. There used to be Constantinople in Turkey. It is now Istanbul because of the Muslim invaders. They attacked St. Peter and St. Paul in Rome, and as a result, this was in 846, as a result, Pope Leo IV had to give them money to pay them off to stop sacking Rome and to stop sacking the Vatican. So he gave them $25,000, what would be $25,000 maybe today. I don't know what that would be worth, but back then an 846 worth of silver coins to these raiders. And he paid them off. So he kept giving them money so they wouldn't keep invading and destroying uh, some of the greatest churches and architecture, by the way, that existed prior to any Muslims invading. They invaded Malta. They made raids in Italy in the 900s. Madrid, they were fighting back and forth with the Byzantine Empire. They invaded Grenoble in 965, and they destroyed Christianity in Jerusalem in 1009, in the year 1009. There was a 27-year fight, starting in 1064, where Sicilians were fighting against Muslims. Poor Sicily, they just kept getting invaded over and over and over and over again. The Byzantines and the Ottomans are fighting back and forth. They're continuing to raid and come back into Jerusalem. They're fighting the Normans. They're fighting the Byzantines in Italy. They, they conquer Syria. They conquer the Armenian, what would be the Armenian, what we would consider to be the Armenian state area today. In fact, Armenia became the place for Christian refugees as a reason who fled from all of the places where the, Muslim was, the Muslims were invading. So the Christian refugees that you see today who are fleeing from Syria, Iraq, Iran, that's exactly what happened, exactly what ISIS is doing. That is exactly what happened in the year 1080. The Armenian state became what it was solely because of Christian refugees that found refuge there. The Ottomans, they conquer Antioch. 
they conquer the Balkans. And the first crusade gets launched in response to that. They try to get back Jerusalem and they fail in 1099. I mean, it's one battle after the other. There was no peace. There was no uh, great advancement. She's talking about how Suleiman and the Ottoman Empire allowed for great thought. They didn't censor. When other people wanted to keep their ideas and didn't want to come up with new ideas or creativity, it was the Ottoman Empire. That's a bunch of bunk. That is totally not true. The Crusaders tried to fight back. They they fought more than eight Crusades. There were eight separate Crusades. And each time the Crusaders fought to regain Constantinople and Jerusalem. And the last time the Crusaders lost Jerusalem was in 1244. So that is why part of Jerusalem right now is completely Muslim. You can't go there. It's not safe. To this day, it is still not safe. You cannot go to Bethlehem or Jericho, some of the oldest cities that we know, Christians know, from the Bible. You cannot go there because they are, quote-unquote, in the West Bank or in the Gaza Strip and are under, quote-unquote, Israeli occupation. But the reality is that the Jews and the Christians were there way longer than when the Muslims invaded in 637. The fact that there is a dome of the rock that sits on top of Jewish, historic Jewish archaeology is mind-boggling. So for anybody who says that all of these areas really belong to the Muslims, I don't know what they're talking about. Because they only are Muslim today because of the Muslim conquerors and invaders. They didn't just appear out of the blue, poof, from the genie. All of a sudden, these lands in Egypt and Sudan and Somalia and Nigeria and and Algeria and all these other places. It did not exist. They were not Muslim lands. They were Muslim lands because they got conquered. And with conquering came slavery. In fact, the largest slave trade that has ever existed on the planet was organized by Muslim invaders starting from the 600 and it's continuing today. I wrote a column about girls who are being traded. The prime ages are between three and nine at slave bazaars. You can buy a little girl for less than what you would buy a brand new pair of Nike sneakers, less than a couple hundred bucks, less than $200. That is what a little girl is worth today to be sold and bought and resold for any Arab man to use at his will. And they cut her up and they sew her up and they do horrible things to her prior to her even being sold. And they are sold over and over and over again, naked, categorized and put in shipping containers and sold with magazines that you can actually pick by the picture, by the age, by the color of their skin. It's disgusting. The slave trade was originating from Islam. There was no such thing other than what the Islamic mercenaries and military expeditions started. In fact, Muhammad started it. You can read on my website. Go to BethanyBlankley.com 
and, and search Muhammad, you will see what Muhammad did from the very first is that they raided Jewish caravans, stole their goods, their weapons, and used them against other people. The beginning of Islam was violence. It still is. The beginning of Islam was theft. It still is. The British Empire was paying off the Barbary pirates not to attack their ships. So when the American Revolution happened, after we broke from England, our ships were being attacked by the Muslim pirates all along North Africa and near the Mediterranean. And Sam Adams and Thomas Jefferson and other founding fathers had to make sure that we had our, mer- our merchant ships, our merchant marines, our navy, our marine corps protecting American interests because the Muslims were attacking them. Barack Obama is one of the best liars I have ever seen in my life. He talks about how Islam helped found America. Well, guess what? He's, he, I don't know what, what magic carpet he's on either. Maybe he's with Carly and they're smoking opium in the back rooms doing these back deals. The reality is that what is going on today with ISIS is exactly what happened in that time period that Carly mentions. Carly mentions the year 800 to 1600. What happened then is exactly what is happening today in Syria, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel. What ISIS is doing and carrying that black flag is the same black flag that Suleiman the Great of the greatest civilization that Carly has to point out in her speech. Give me a freaking break. If she wanted to talk about the greatest civilization, she could have pointed to the history of the United States of America and the diversity and the freedoms and the liberties that are written in our Constitution that nobody is following anymore. Give me a break. I got to take a break. I'm going to come back. I want to talk more about Islam and the invasions and tie it all in to what's going on with Iran and Saudi Arabia, the Bush family, and oil, and what's really going on behind ISIS and Barack Obama. I've got to take a break. You're listening to Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio. in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Everybody, and we're back. It's Bethany. You're listening to America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio, and I'm talking about Carly Fiorni and her magical mystery tour, her magical carpet ride to nowhere, maybe the land of insanity. Maybe she came back from another planet and rode this magical carpet somewhere into Minneapolis when she gave this speech two weeks after 9/11, and she's talking about. All of the great aspects of civilization that Islam has left the world. And honestly, look, I couldn't have made this up. I couldn't have done a better job or been as creative or inventive. Everything in here that she says 
that's just completely bogus. So she's talking about technology, business, and our future, our way of life. And I want to tell you about the way of life for the Islamic civilization today. Forget about 800 to 1600. I want to talk about today because this will tell you how the Muslim countries, the Muslim mathematicians who've allegedly created all of these algorithms that enabled the technology companies like Hewlett Packard and others, computers, everything in America to thrive. So we have to thank the Ottoman Empire for the ingenious of Americans creating and working out of their parents' garages from their own ideas. We've got to credit that to Islam. What I will credit to Islam, however, are facts. The facts about Islam right now in Muslim countries is that out of 57 countries, their GDP is under $2 trillion. That's five times less than America's GDP. We, we provide more than $10 trillion. China, $5 trillion. Japan, a little over $3 trillion. Germany, $2 trillion. About India is around $3 trillion. But all of the Muslim countries combined, all 57 of them, all of their net worth is under $2 trillion. If there is such a rich history of civilization because of Islam, wouldn't those 57 Muslim countries, wouldn't their GDP far surpass astronomically what ours is, what America's is, what China's is, what Japan's is? Give me a break. Even Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait and Qatar, all of their goods and services, which is mostly oil, which they sell to us, which we are buying instead of developing instead of developing our own oil and gas in the United States. And I, bl- I blame a lot of the American businessmen, especially the Bushes. We had an incredible opportunity to invest in oil and gas in America. There is enough in the state of Louisiana, Texas, and North Dakota that could last our country, just our country alone, to be self-sustainable for over 200 years. That's insane that we're 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 buying oil from countries that treat women worse than dirt and yet we could be investing in oil and gas companies in americans on our own soil instead we're buying 430 well not all of us but they're selling 430 billion dollars worth of mostly oil to the western world even with that 430 billion 57 muslim countries only make about Two trillion dollars. That's insane. 57 countries can't even make one fifth of what the United States makes. And Muslims are 22% of the population. So I want you to think about this. The Muslims in the 57 Muslim countries, they represent 22% of the world's population and they produce less than 5% of the global GDP. I want to repeat that. 22% produce less than 5% of the GDP. So I don't know where this business technology, our way of life, our future is resting in the Islamic civilization in light of the fact that they 57 countries produce less than 5% of the global GDP. Give me a break. 
Here's something from the United Nations. The United Nations Arab Development Report. I'm going to quote you. This is what they're saying. Half of Arab women cannot read. One in five Arabs live on less than $2 a day. Only 1% of the Arab population has a personal computer. Only half of 1% uses the Internet. I want to tell you, repeat that again. Only half of 1% uses the Internet out of 57 countries. 57 countries, less than half of 1% have access or use the Internet. I want to tell you who the poorest countries in the world are. And the least six of the poorest of the poor. So I'm not even talking about poor countries. I'm talking the worst, the poorest countries. The poorest countries in the entire world are Muslim countries. And among those poor countries include Ethiopia, Sierra Leone, Afghanistan, Cambodia, Somalia, Nigeria. Muslims of the world are among the poorest of the poor. And just like Muhammad, the majority of them are illiterate. They cannot read and they cannot write. This is why I am advocating to as many people as possible, specifically Christians, to be reaching out to Muslims, even in America, because the majority of them cannot read and they have not read the Quran. They are enslaved under this ideology that says if they choose to leave Islam, they are instructed to be killed. People are afraid for their lives to leave Islam, yet Islam is keeping them in poverty. These 57 countries are making less than 5% of the GDP. Give me a break. You're going to tell me, Carly, that technology and business and our future, our way of life, the civilization that has, has brought in all the ingenuity and American exceptionalism goes back to the Ottoman Empire? Are you kidding me? Give me a break. I want to explain something to you. Out of 1.4 billion Muslims, there were two who won a Nobel Peace Prize in physics and chemistry. And they pursued their education in Italy and the United Kingdom and in California. So they got their Nobel Peace Prize in physics and chemistry, but they didn't study anywhere in any of these 57 countries. Where did they study? They studied in Italy, in the UK, and California. Now, out of those 1.4 billion Muslims... 800 are illiterate. That's 6 out of 10 Muslims who can't read. 6 out of 10 Muslims. That's 60% of Muslims who cannot read. I want you to think about the number of scientists, for example. And I want to thank Dr. Farouk Salim, who is a Islamabad freelance columnist. And he provided a lot of this data. I will have it on my website, bethanyblankley.com. Dr. Salim points out that if you want to talk about scientists and Nobel laureates, I want to give you a comparison from statistics that he cites. And he says over the past one, 105 years, and this was in 2009, so we're talking a few years ago, over the past 105 years of the 1.4 billion Muslims, only eight have been Nobel laureates. Now there's 1.4 billion Muslims, only 300,000 qualify as scientists. That's about 230 scientists for every 1 million Muslim. Now, America, on the other hand, has three times that amount. We have over 1 million scientists. Japan has double the number, more than double the number. So I guess I'm still confused, Carly. 
Where is technology and business coming from of the 300,000 quote-unquote scientists in the 57 countries that only produce less than 5% of the GDP? Unless they're working in the sweatshops where you outsourced all of the jobs from America over into Indonesia and other Muslim countries who, by the way, are in slave labor so Hewlett-Packard can make more money. Whenever Carly starts talking about the board decisions she had to make, what she doesn't mention is the number of people who were outsourced, the number of people in the United States of America who lost their jobs. And if you want to point to Islamic countries as the future, as our way of life, as the future for our way of life, for technology and business, then I can tell you Carly is riding a magical carpet ride to, she's riding this carpet high on dope to poverty because that's where all of these Muslim countries are. The Muslims throughout the world are the poorest of the poor. So if Carly really is going to look at the Islamic civilization as our beacon of hope, no freaking way am I going to listen to what she has to say. She's going to tell me that 57 Muslim countries that make less than 5% of the world's GDP. Really? And of the two people who won Nobel Peace Prizes, they didn't at least study in any of those Arab countries. Where is all of the, where is all the flourishing and the intellect and the creativity that's coming that has helped the, the mathematicians, the, the algorithms, and all of this science, geometry, all of the mind, this beautiful minds that is coming from Islamic civilization, I don't get it. I don't know where it's coming. How is it contributing to technology and business today? Unless these are the people who are working for pennies in Indonesia, slaving away, making parts for Hewlett Packard because it was cheaper to send it overseas than to keep Americans working in the United States. So if Americans, if you really believe anything that Carly is telling you about technology or business or making tough decisions in the boardroom, one of the things that uh, media pundits pointed out after the debate is that Carly did really well. And all she had to do was introduce herself. And she wanted to speak to the American people in straightforward language, not using political jargon. And she took Chris Matthews to town and she did really well. However, he should have asked her, what about all the jobs that you sent overseas? I understand that people make tough board decisions, but in the boardroom, they're making decisions for the shareholders. They're not making decisions for the employees. And she's not making decisions for the Americans in this country, just like Barack Obama has not. And just like George Bush has not. The betrayal of Americans has been going on since the 1950s. It's been going on well before I was ever born. The insanity of what people are saying in the media, you have to check history. You have to understand the context. And so right there, right then and there, she's calling Hillary Clinton a liar. Well, I can say that Carly was lying in that speech. I can prove fact for fact in everything she's saying, specifically about Islamic civilization. Uh, you're listening to Bethany. I'm Renegade Talk Radio. We'll be back after this break. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me. 
Hey everyone, we're back. Thanks so much for joining me and listening on Renegade Talk Radio. This is Bethany Blankley, and I've been talking about Carly and her magical mystery tour, her magical carpet ride to nowhere or to or from the land of insanity. And don't get me wrong, I would love to have been on a magical flying carpet with Aladdin. That would be super cool. But the carpet ride that she's on is completely full of misinformation or blatant straight out lies and ironically she can call Hillary Clinton a liar but a lot of people could be calling her a liar and so I want to just point out a couple of things about what's going on in Islam right now in the world among those 57 countries and as I talked about on other shows the entire Levant area from the Nile River which is in Egypt eastward up into the Tigris-Euphrates River which are the borderline of Iraq and Iran up north to the Caspian Sea and west to the Mediterranean Sea that's the entire Levant And it's also, for people who know their Bible, in Genesis, that is the land that God promised the Jews. So if the Jews were actually, if the Jews had actually followed God as he had instructed them to do, which is throughout the Old Testament, and claimed their land, they would actually be encompassing all of Jordan, Syria, Iraq, parts of Iran, parts of Saudi Arabia, parts of Egypt. I mean, we're talking a huge area of land, and it's actually, it could be quite fertile. But because most of these countries were impoverished, they have not been able to use most of their natural resources. In fact, Saudi Arabia was dirt poor until after World War One. And the reason for that had to do with the British Empire and their allies wanting to make money. All right, so I want to explain the natural resources for a minute to put this whole Levant in a picture, okay? Iran has the largest number of oil reserves in the world. The largest number of oil reserves in the world. And that is what the CIA coup in 1953 was all about. The British Petroleum Company wanted to exploit those resources and only give the Iranians 15%. The Iranians said, we want to nationalize our natural resources, and the British didn't like that. The British wanted to keep exploiting them. So they call in their buddies and their allies, the Americans, and they have the Americans do their bidding through the CIA. We overthrow Iran in 1953, and we install a Shah who reigns terror on the people for over 25 years. Then the Iranians try to overthrow the Shah to get rid of the American dictatorship because they want their democratic republic back, and they lose. And so since 1979... Americans in the Western world have been imposing sanctions on Iran on Iran simply because Iran wouldn't do what America wanted them to do. But Iran is sitting on top of the number one, the largest amount of oil reserves in the world. Number two is Canada. Number three is Saudi Arabia. Number four is Venezuela. Number five is Iraq. And that's of all of the oil reserves that we know of. And so when you think about the oil reserves, but you also think of minerals and gas, the entire Levant region is incredibly rich. Now, going back to Islam, 
There are two different groups within Islam because there was a schism in the 700s over who was the quote-unquote direct descendant of Muhammad. The Sunni Muslims who represent northwestern Iraq and uh, Saudi Arabia, Ethiopia, Pakistan, uh, Egypt, Turkey, Syria, Jordan, Sudan, Somalia, Oman, the United Arab Emirates, uh, many other small countries that used to be part of Russia. These all represent the Sunnis. Now, the Sunnis believe that the direct descendant of Muhammad was the father of his last wife, Aisha. The father-in-law is the direct descendant of Muhammad. You go figure that out. And that's the Sunnis. Now, the Shiites, they say, no, it's Muhammad's son-in-law, Shia uh, to Ali. And so Shiite comes after the followers of Shia Atu Ali, who is the son-in-law of Muhammad. And so they're saying, no, no, we're going to follow him. And so the Shiites represent southern Iraq, part of Yemen, most of Qatar, Bahrain, Kuwait, definitely Iran, and Lebanon. And so you have to look at the reality that when you're looking at this landscape of resources and land, the Shiites and the Sunnis are going to fight each other tooth and nail over who is in control of these resources And the purpose of creating or recreating the Ottoman Empire, which is the goal of ISIS and true Islamists, true people who follow the Quran, want to implement a global caliphate. The wonderful world of multiple continents and millions of people that Carly was talking about under the Ottoman Empire was actual was actually a caliphate. So when you look at what the Muslims want to do with this land, they want to take that land back, create another empire under a caliphate. That is what they want to do. They're posting it on Twitter. I have copies of it. It's what the Muslim Brotherhood wants. This is the goal. The goal is to have a global caliphate, which is worldwide rule under Sharia law, which is submission to what the teachings of the Quran are. And by the way, there would be no Carly in Saudi Arabia or Iran. Right now, she wouldn't be able to dress the way that she does or wear makeup. She would have to wear a hijab. She would have to be wearing head covering. She wouldn't be allowed to drive. She certainly wouldn't be allowed to be a businesswoman. She certainly wouldn't be allowed to be telling men what to do. These Muslim countries are all fighting over the same land and resources. And it's an age-old over 1,500 years old worth of fighting in between Shias and Sunnis over the same region. No agreement with Iran is going to change that. No continuing to fund Saudi Arabia is going to change that. No continuing to send money to Egypt or having our second largest military base in the world in Qatar. None of that is going to change that. We have age-old centuries and centuries and centuries of war from the mid-early 600s until now that are no different than what ISIS is. ISIS represents Islam. It is on their flag. It is in their motto. It is what the Muslim Brotherhood support, which, who, by the way, are are also Sunnis. Now, I want you to think about this. 
the Iraqis believed that George Herbert Walker Bush betrayed them because he was coming in to quote unquote liberate them from the Kuwaitis. George in 1991, his son George Walker Bush goes in and invades Iraq again in 2003. Again, the Iraqis feel betrayed. Why? Because the root of the problem has always been Sunni Shia. It has never been about oil or resources from a Westerner's perspective. They cannot understand the entire struggle or jihad, which means struggle, among the Muslim people. So all of the bloodshed that's going on in the Middle East and that entire Levant region is solely because of what Muslims want to achieve, which is their final caliphate. The final caliphate, that means that they will actually attain global rule. And if that's the case, then what Carly's flying carpet dream of our future for business and technology, if that's what it's resting on, then we can look at 50% poverty in America But Barack Obama is already taking us there. We're already over 30% of unemployment of people who are not in the workforce, who are not even on unemployment benefits. They are completely out of the workforce. They are not applying for jobs. They are living with family members. They are not insured. They have no health insurance. That is the state of America, but it's still not as bad as the 57 Muslim-majority countries who are all living in extreme poverty. So here's the problem. We have people over and over and over again, Republicans and Democrats, talking about fighting for freedom throughout the world. That's a bunch of lies. It's not based on any facts. Ask the Iraqis if they're any freer since George Herbert Walker Bush invaded in 1991. Ask the Iraqis, ask the Afghanis if they're any safer since 2001. None of these people are safer. None of them have bigger freedoms or liberties that we would hope that they would have. That is because you cannot go in and invade a Muslim country and expect the Muslims to stop fighting over it because they've been fighting over it since the early 600s. We're in the year 2015. We're talking about 1,400 years of the same people fighting over lands, which, by the way, they were fighting over under the Ottoman Empire that Carly seems to think is so great. This is what's insane. So you have to understand history. Look at a map. Look at where the, where the resources are to water and understand that landlocked states cannot survive with ac- without access to water. The Iranians have been suffering as a direct result of American foreign policy and the illegal actions of the CIA. Neither of the Bushes brought freedom to those people. They are in dire straits. And you want to talk about something as equally horrendous as what Barack Obama has done to Syria at the behest of Saudi Arabia. And that's my whole point. The former British Empire... Wanted the resources in Iran, so America did its bidding. Saudi Arabia today wants the resources that are in Iraq and in Syria. They cannot get them themselves. If they were to invade, that would start a global war between Sunnis and Shias, worse than what already exists. So Saudi Arabia gets the American president, who they already have in their back pocket, 
They're already bought and paid for before they ever made it to the White House. And Saudi Arabia gets the president of the United States of America to invade countries for it so that it can therefore go in later and take those resources from Iraq and Syria. Who do you think has been arming ISIS? It was Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey, the United States, and the United Kingdom. The American people have blood on their hands. And I, for one, am not going to stand for it. Not on my watch, not my tax dollars, not my government. This is not my government. This government does not represent me. And Barack Obama, by invading Syria via Benghazi, only did something at the behest of Saudi Arabia just as presidents before him had done. And this is the major problem, one of the major problems with the American government today. And Americans need to wake up and understand there is huge context here. Nothing just happens out of the blue. ISIS didn't just spring up. All of this persecution of Christians didn't just happen out of nowhere. This has been planned. This has been organized for many, many years. I'm glad you're joining me on Renegade. We have a choice as to what we can do with the information that we learn and to be responsible citizens and hold the politicians accountable, especially for liars like Hillary and Carly, who I am really sad to say represent horrible role models for women like myself who have worked in politics or for women who are younger than me who want to work in politics. These are not women to aspire to want to be like. I'm glad you're listening. Thanks for joining me. You're listening to Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio.